the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining us and looking forward to a a wonderful conversation with a great guest who I'm excited to introduce to you in just a second. My name is Jeremy Stonlecker. I am your host today and this is the show where we do our very best every single episode to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. As we talk about so often, culture is changing so quickly. It's hard to keep up. Um, It is unbelievable. Now, some of these shifts in culture impact us personally. Some of them don't. Some of it is just, it's part of what happens in a culture that's expanding and changing. We can look back historically and understand that. But there are some things that happen culturally that are so important and have such an incredible impact, not just on us personally, but on the future of our country, on the the issues, the situations, the culture that our children will inherit and have to navigate, that we must talk about them. And what we have seen happen in the last couple of weeks regarding the abortion issue in the United States is one of those. Um, We've talked about this a little bit on this show already. We're going to talk about this more today. Uh, But the leaked opinion from the Supreme Court that appears to um, overturn, at least in part, the Roe v. Wade decision from 50 years ago or 49 years ago. Um, the response by so many on the left and the lack of response by many on the right has been puzzling. I think it speaks to where our culture is right now. Um, but this will have an impact and it will have a real impact not only on those children that will have their lives saved, hopefully, but on states that decide to take a different route. And uh, very, very thankful to have as our guest today, Kara McKinney. Kara is here. And uh, for those of you that watched our show before, Kara has been a guest before. But uh, I try to take the opportunity every time I can. Kara, you you are one of the first people that gave us a shot. Appreciate it. Uh, Kara is now the host of Tipping Point at One American News. But prior to that, you were a producer on Alex Salvi's show. And uh, we were guests many times on that show because of you. And I really appreciate that. Um, and you have been a, a supporter, vocal supporter and champion of the Mighty Oaks Foundation and the work we do with veterans. Of course, you have veterans in your family, law enforcement in your family. And uh, it's been awesome. And so we've had a great relationship over the years. And uh, your show is doing great. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing to see you on that side of the camera. It's, Almost two years, you said. Yes, it's, it's been crazy. Years. Time goes yeah. by so fast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you're enjoying it. I am. I am. Still get the nerves and the butterflies, sure. but it's something new every day, always yeah. changing. So, Which is yeah, really fun. awesome. And uh, one of the things I appreciate about you, not just your show, but, but personally, is you are so well read. You're very thoughtful. And the issue that we're talking about today is one that I know is very important to you, this, this abortion issue. Um, why don't we just start? We'll just start here. Start by talking about where we are as it relates to um, you know, we've seen the leak. Many of us have. We've talked about that. Uh, just, just give us kind of the the overview, the the thirty thousand foot view, if you will, and then we'll go deeper than that. I have some real questions for yeah. you. 
So when we look at it right now, of course, the leaked opinion that's been out for almost about a week now or yeah. so, um, and it's the first initial draft opinion that was written uh, penned by Justice Samuel Alito, and it was written in such a way as to be able to hold a majority of five, because of course that's what you would need. Um, so it's written a very specific way to do that. However, we don't know what draft the justices are on currently. Mm. I believe they're supposed to be meeting later this week for their first conference since the leak has come out. Uh, so they may be on draft three, four, five, six. Sure. We don't know at this sure. point. Uh, but we do have this uh, leaked document. And there's some, we don't know exactly who the leaker is yet. Uh, that's been surprising for some to think we thought, you know, we'd have a yep. name by now, or at yep. least an idea right. floated. Uh, we don't necessarily. So the big idea is most likely it was one of the liberal justices or someone who was clerking, uh, someone who was of a more liberal mindset, who maybe was sure. afraid, yeah. and they thought if they could leak it, they could get the anger, the ire up, they could get the protests, and perhaps uh, more wishy-washy uh, Supreme Court justice, which, sadly, we on the right have many yeah. of those. There are many. That's the, One might say most. Ex yes, exactly. And that's the funny part is the left is they know exactly who they're getting every sure. single yeah. time. They don't have to go, which way is Kagan going to go? Right, which way is right, right, right. They right. know. Right. We're the only ones who are left in this weird suspense. So, of course, the main idea is that one of them are going to go squishy and maybe try and go back. Um, however, there's also the concern that maybe, or there's the idea that maybe it was more of a conservative-minded clerk and who was afraid that maybe there was someone going to go wishy-washy. So they thought if we go public this now, exactly, this will get the backbone grown. Um, we don't know which way. Uh, we thought perhaps maybe the Supreme Court, since this is quite unprecedented, that they'd maybe put out their final opinion earlier, where we mm -hmm. were expecting it late June, yep. maybe early July. Yep. But so far, they've been kind of mum on that. I know Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, my personal fave, uh, he said that the court will not be bullied. Fingers crossed that that's true. Mm -hmm. The left is, they've been outside of the uh, the justice's yep. house. You know, Alito had been taken for his own safety with his family. Uh, they've been outside Kavanaugh's house. Funny enough, they're outside John Roberts' house. Yep. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, he's very squishy, as we were very talking squishy, about. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's quite funny that those were the houses they targeted so far. One of the groups being Ruth Sentas, uh, in reference to the late Supreme Court Justice, right. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Right. Um, they do have Marxist ties. You go on their web you know, pages and you see, if you cl click through enough links, you'll find Black Lives Matter and other sure. such Marxist-inspired sure. groups, sure. Uh, threatening intimidation. Uh, quite illegal as well, but uh, there's not going to be FBI surveillance on them. Yeah. They're not going to track down every last grandma who's outside the house. Sure. Bank accounts aren't going to get sure. frozen, yeah. as we've seen with J6, right. Right. Freedom Convoy truckers and the rest. Um, but that's currently where things stand now. Uh, the It seems the opinion will come out as normal yeah. sometime in the summer. But there, So everyone is treating this leaked opinion as though you know it's real and mm -hmm. that this is the decision. This yeah. is what we're going to have to live with. What are the chances that that will not be the case? I mean, I know you can't know that. Mm -hmm. You can't know what is going to happen. But is there a is there a real chance that something completely different will come out? I would say that since there was a leak, I would assume that that meant that someone thought something could change, and that's why they sure. did the leak. Um, there is some talk that perhaps you might see uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, and he might be able to peel away another conservative-minded justice, uh, say Kavanaugh, mm. maybe Amy Coney Barrett, and trying to pull them over into what some are calling more of a middle road, right. uh, where they would be able to uphold the 15-week abortion ban in Mississippi, right. but they would not be overturning Roe and Casey. Mm. Uh, however, the problem with that, 
is that's not exactly possible because that was the main premise of Roe was that up until 24 weeks uh, were they deemed arbitrarily. And of course, scientists proved right, that right. that's not exactly the line of viability. And I would argue viability is not, it's kind of superfluous. Sure, sure. Uh, but that was the decision they had was 20, up until 24 weeks, that was supposed to be a woman's right. They magically found it in the constitution somewhere yeah. uh, in the penumbras. It's there, the 14th Amendment, exactly. that's what they're saying. Yep, the penumbras, the shadows, it's yeah, hidden. If sure. you, it's in magic ink. If you look at it in just the right, right light, you'll right. find it. Lemon juice on the back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so uh, if, if the, the, the right that they believe that was there... Um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I do that sometimes. I pull people off their train of thought. No worries. Yeah, they thought it was there. And there you go. So the 24 weeks of viability, that was the idea. So case, or sorry, the Mississippi court decision, the law that they have, 15 weeks is where it would be banned. So, of course, that directly contradicts Roe because Roe says up until 24 weeks, you're supposed to have complete free access. So there's no way to uphold the Mississippi ruling without going after Roe. Without going after Roe. They might try and we I mean, I'm not fluent in legalese. Sure. Uh, who you know our justices are and they might try I'm and I'm not sure they are either. <laughs> We've seen some interesting things happen. Exactly. And so they might try and walk a fine line that we might go that doesn't make yeah, sense, but right. we could see that as a yeah, possibility. It's, it's so interesting and and the anger aimed at the justices for something that has not even been settled or established yeah. is really interesting. Can you talk about um, Justice Alito's opinion? He wrote mm-hmm. the opinion, and essentially he said this this protection is not found in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that for a second? Because I think a lot of people think this is, I say a lot of people, I don't know if it's a lot of people. There are people on the left of this issue that claim this is entirely a religious or a faith issue. Mm -hmm. And what Justice Alito is saying is it has nothing to do with faith or viability, as you mentioned. It's it's a question of whether or not the Constitution protects this so-called right. Can you talk about that for a second? So up until Roe, of course, there were plenty of laws on the books banning abortion. So there was never any... uh, originalist interpretation of the constitution of the founding fathers or, you know, anyone who came afterward thought, you know, what, what, you know, a woman's allowed to kill her child in the womb. So uh, Samuel Alito, he goes through piece by piece and he explains the uh, history behind it. But I think an interesting point where I might find myself breaking a little bit with the Supreme Court justice. And of course, all respect to him. He's a good conservative like uh, Clarence Thomas, though. Like I said, Clarence Thomas is more my favorite. The one thing that I think hampers part of the pro-life, and I want to word this somewhat carefully, he talks about, and I've seen many on the right champion this part, he talks about how it should go back to the states because it's a very controversial, very divisive issue, and that it being at the federal level, this allowance really up until birth because Roe was followed up by Doe v. Bolton, which uh, opened up the gateway. So 24 weeks, you could have free reign. No one was Mm -hmm. allowed to cut off access Mm -hmm. for a woman. She could go in for any reason. After 24 weeks, they say women's health, financial status. And of course, that's so broadly overinterpreted. It could mean anything. anything. Exactly. I have a headache because I'm pregnant. Therefore, that's a health issue. Uh, So technically, it's really up until, you know, fully nine months. And so Sam Alito will talk about that, the division. And so he says it's better that it gets kicked back to the states because then you have somewhat more direct democracy. 
well, we're a constitutional republic, but sure. you know, sure. people voting. And though I would say with COVID-19, the restrictions we saw at the state level, we yeah. feel like we didn't have a lot of control right. over Not our state anyways. Right. Um, but that's the idea. And I get that. And I've talked to plenty of guests on my own show who champion that part. And they say, see, this is where the decision belongs with the people at the state level. But see, and this is where I break from that because I, I fear that, that that almost contradicts our position because right. murder is murder. We don't say, well, the states can say. Yeah, right. And that's, that's right. where I start to think we kind of step on our own toes. Now, I don't want to put the cart before the horse because I think if it did come organically from the states yeah. with more grassroots efforts where yeah. all the states start banning abortion, that that would be a longer lasting pro-life victory rather than say we flip from you know what we have now to a ban on abortion, let's say at a federal level, right. because then that gives something the left to chip away at and then the pendulum swings back. So I get that, but also... I just find it silly. We're in California. You know, they we're talking about perinatal abortion. Yeah, right, we're talking about if you right. cause the death of a baby and that could take days even after birth, yeah. it's fine. It's Up covered in abortion. 24 days or something like exactly, that, Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. So we're already talking about that. Our state, with our surplus, I don't know where they found all this money, probably <laughs> from the federal government bailouts, uh, but they're trying to use that money to make us uh, even more so a safe haven for yeah. women to come and have their abortions here. And when you see what uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, he has in the legislation and the proposals, it's talking about paying for these women out of state to come here for abortions. Everything's paid for, they said, down to child care. So women who may already have other children yeah. going in for this procedure. And that's where, as a pro-life conservative who believes in life from conception until natural death, I can in good conscience say, well, you know, some states like California, New yeah. York, have them even after birth abortions. Right. Uh, you know, I. that's why, again, I don't want to put the car before the horse because overturning Roe, I wanted it in my lifetime, didn't think it would happen. Yep. But if we're here now, I would like the pro-life to side to perhaps start to change some of the messaging and maybe look for some kind of federal protections yeah. for the unborn. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. I won't say change, because I've always believed that life begins at conception, and that uh, any abortion is the ending of a life. Uh, we use the word murder. It, it, it technically is murder, but it's the ending of a life. And I believe that at any stage. I've always held the position until very recently that any gains we can make should be celebrated. And even when you look at the heartbeat bill and other other things that we've seen, that these are all good things. And, and 
And first of all, I do believe they're good things. I believe mm -hmm. less abortion is better than more. Yeah. Um, however, I think you're exactly right. If we're not careful, we can get in our own way and in the way of our own arguments. If we truly believe that the taking of a life at any stage of pregnancy is the taking of a life, that viability, we talk about viability outside the womb, inside the womb, science is getting so much better. We understand you know, heartbeats in ways we didn't before, brain waves, all of those things. So at what point is a fetus viable? And we can argue about that. But if you believe life begins at conception, then when we see a ruling like this from the Supreme Court, again, I agree with you, I'm, I'm happy about it. I don't think the federal government should protect the murder of the unborn. <laughs> But it's really hard for me to get excited about it because I don't think it actually changes much. Does this get us closer to the place where we see abortion end in the United States? I think that goes back to the conversation we're having about language. And you're right in celebrating the victories when they do appear because sure. a 15-week ban is better than, you know, up until nine months, uh, you know, it, because overall it reduces the number of abortions right. as we saw right. with the six-week roughly six-week abortion uh, ban in Texas with the heartbeat bill. And I'm glad they called it the heartbeat right, bill because right. then it gets people speaking in that language right, because usually right. we're so used to the pro-abortion stance and using their euphemisms. Sure, um, sure. So I'm glad that now our yeah, words are almost right. in their mouth. But when it comes to getting rid of abortion in America, sometimes we might lose focus on looking for the legislative victories. And I think the pro-abortion side, they have a point, not in the way they think they do, uh, but they have a point in the idea that whether or not abortion is legal or illegal where you live, abortions will happen. Um, and so I want to change that. I want to bring yeah. a culture of life because I believe it is unnatural for a woman to be made to despise her own child, to feel that her child is somehow in the way of something else that she right. wants to do. Right. Um, and I think it's unnatural that abortion basically has men stand aside and let women be preyed on in this manner and not protecting the women and children entrusted to them by God. So it is a wholly unnatural way of viewing the world and it taints everything else we do. It taints how people view themselves as embodied souls made in the image and likeness yep. of God. Yep. It affects how men and women relate to each other. It affects the very foundations of how we live in this world. And so I think it goes back to, like I said, the language and how we talk about abortion. If we truly want to see an end to abortion in America, not just legally, but in the hearts and minds of the people in America, uh, one little tiny beef, not exactly a beef, I'm overstating it, um, <laughs> that I'll have. And I've talked to Abby Johnson about this, mm -hmm. you know, former Planned Parenthood yeah. director, term yeah. pro-life advocate, uh, Lila Rose of Live Action and others is when we look for these legislative successes and right. we say, well, we need to make compromises to get some moderates on board. And again, I get that and I am on board with that. But sometimes they go too overboard in saying, well, I believe in abortion or I believe in the pro-life principles except for, and then they'll say in cases yeah. of, and they'll try and pull yeah. out what they believe is, you know, an extreme circumstance. Yeah, rape, incest. Exactly. These are the standard exactly. Yes. Right. And especially they go after disabled and they'll usually mm. allow for mother's health, and again, ask someone, well, yeah. what? what does that mean? Exactly. Yeah, right. No one has an answer. Right. That's the funniest right. part. And they go, wait a second, that's right. I don't really know. Yeah. Because if you're late term, which is when you might have some issues, yes, maybe not being pregnant anymore can help you physically, but you don't have to kill the baby sure. on the way out. Sure. And if you kill the baby on the way out, you still have to deliver that child outside yeah. of you. Yeah. That's why late term abortions take multiple days is because they have to open the cervix and remove the child. So 
you're doing that anyways, why do you have to kill the right. child beforehand? Right. Um, but again, especially when it comes to the disabilities, that bothers me the most. We're supposed to be protecting the weakest amongst us. Uh, and there's a, a young man, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but he has Down syndrome and he's talked about abortion at uh, the state level. I think he spoke before Congress as well. And he said, um, and he used the terminology of it being a final solution against people like him. Yep. We see in countries like Iceland, and they'll basically tout that, you know, no one's born with Down syndrome here. And it's not because of technological advances. Yeah. It's because they just kill those people yeah. before they're out in the world. And so that already hampers our own message once again by saying, oh, I'm for, you know, life. We'll accept when it's too hard. Because isn't that what the left is just more extreme than us? Right. And so, like I said, we want to heal because that's the problem. Since the 60s sexual revolution, it goes before that, but we saw it really break out then a festering wound between, like I said, how men and women relate to themselves as embodied individuals and how they relate to each other and children in the family. They see it as chains that they need to be liberated from. If we want to heal that divide, that I think should inform how we discuss this. And it should inform how we're talking about these issues so that people inherently see the value and worth and dignity in another person and think my own wants, needs, and desires in life do not trump your right to life. And I think that's why it's so important how we talk about it so that way even the legislative victories can be backed up by women not seeking an abortion through illicit means, but loving God and their child. It's it's really interesting because I think the I am pro-life with exceptions argument, it really undermines the entire argument. And it gives those who are um, you know, pro-abortion or pro-choice, it gives them a very strong foothold because if we can make exceptions here, then the argument that life begins at conception, it, it, it really has no, no weight. It doesn't mm-hmm. hold water because, well, if it does, then you're, you're okay with, with murdering a child it, it, again, if the circumstances don't suit you. And I think that's, that's a very important point and one we don't talk about often. I know Ronald Reagan was one that espoused the idea of uh, being pro-life with exceptions. And he later in his, in his life said that was one of the biggest mistakes he had ever made. Uh, looking back on that, I think we have to be very careful with that language. The other thing that it does, and you, and you, just, you just mentioned this, when you don't value life at some stage, you don't value life at all. And our culture has really demonstrated, is demonstrating, we, we could look to, um, you know, riots and we can look to, you know, murders, the way people treat each other, the way people value life or don't value life. The sanctity of life for the unborn really has implications throughout our lives. Now we talk about euthanasia. We talk about, you know, some of these things. I saw an article the other day that, um, it, it was someone that allowed themselves, asked for themselves to be euthanized in their church. And this was this was held up as something that is very peaceful and very gracious. Really what it is, it's, it's a lack of value mm-hmm. for life. And I don't think we often talk enough about the sanctity of life aspect of this because it has such far-reaching ramifications. It produces fruit uh, throughout our culture. We just mm-hmm. don't talk about that enough. No, we don't. It's something that I like to talk about on my show all the time to where I feel like (laughs) I'm just, you know, going back to the same old, you know. But it is important. I feel like it really needs to be emphasized and said a lot more. And I think you're exactly right for bringing up euthanasia. While you're talking, I was thinking about my head. Once you said, I was like, yes, that's exactly (laughs) right. Because to me, 
abortion and euthanasia are, are two sides of the same coin. Sure, absolutely. It's a yeah. prove to me why you should live. And if you can't meet my arbitrary standard, right. you don't deserve your right yeah. to life. Um, for the baby in the womb, it's proved to me that you can live outside the womb, which newborns can't yeah, either. Right. And they say, well, right. that's not the same thing because it's not in the woman's body. But the woman still has to use her body physically to wake up at all hours of the night to physically care for the child. And if she does not physically do that with her body yet again, yeah. the state can come in and right. say, well, we have to take your child from you. Um, and so your body still has to be used to do things that you may or may not want to do because it's the right thing to do. And we should be more comfortable in this world in using terms like what is right, what is just, what you owe to someone else, because we do owe things to other people. Um, that's the way God made the sure. world. You know, yeah. we are owed certain things. Um, I know the left will try and use that terminology to mean something else, but I mean it in the Christian sense of giving. But you'll look at the baby in the womb and say, does your heart beat? Does your lungs work? Do you have this? Are you conscious? If not, then sorry, but your right to life doesn't exist anymore. And one woman I've spoken to, um, Gianna Jessen, she's an abortion survivor. She was aborted by her mother, I believe in the 70s. Amazing. And it was a saline abortion, induced abortion. We don't use those anymore. Um, I think Minnesota did up until maybe 10, 20 years ago. I don't know if they still do. But the idea is you replace the amniotic fluid, fluid in a mother's womb with a salt-based solution. And the idea is it's going to burn and scald the child inside and out. And so when you do end up delivering, it's a deceased child. That's what happened to Gianna. But thankfully, the abortion failed. Her mother, I think, went into either early labor with her because of the abortion, um, goes into the abortion clinic, but the doctor wasn't there in time. Uh, and that's what saved her life. Because if he was there, as we've seen with plenty of other abortionists, some behind bars, some who should be but mm -hmm. aren't, sure. they then kill the baby after birth. And they yeah. say it's all part of the abortion. What's the difference if it was uh, you know, a few centimeters that way in the birth canal or this way? They think, same deal. Sometimes you see scissors being used. Sometimes sure. they use sure. their hands. It gets, it gets very nasty. Gianna was lucky in the fact that he was not there yet. So she ends up being born, and they do provide her with medical care. I think they had to call out for that, though. Um, and so she now is a grown woman, uh, and I've spoken to her on my show. And she spoke before. She does many speaking gigs. One was in Australia before uh, various religious orders, and she was speaking to them. And she makes this point about the littlest amongst us because she now has cerebral palsy because mm -hmm. of the lack of oxygen to her brain during the abortion. As she's talking about how we dare to look down on the oh. weakest amongst us out of some false sense that we're kings almost. And she says, you think that you have all these things, but you don't. You only have them, you only have your earthly power because God has allowed you to, and he can pull that rug out, you know, from you at any, at a moment's notice. Um, and in the end, of course, you'll get your, talk about just use, yes. uh, you'll be judged in accordingly. But she really brings it home when she builds up to this climax, and then she says, you don't even make your own heart beat. Mm. And that's always stuck with me. Me and my mom always talk about that. For us, we don't make our own hearts beat. Right. If I was have a massive heart attack now, Maybe a doctor could try and save me, but if it's my time to go, there's no bringing me back from there's that. There's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. I can't say beat heart. It right. doesn't work on my time. It doesn't right. even, I'm conscious, but I don't physically make my heart beat. So who am I to look at an unborn child in the womb and say, oh, geez, you know, you, you only have some little flutters. It's not, it's nothing. You're not really a person. Right. How, right. When I don't even have that power right. over myself. And the way she phrased it was amazing. But then again, on the flip side, is we look at, Usually it falls on older uh, uh, people in our society, but also people with disabilities. And we'll say, 
you're a burden on society. Mm. Sometimes we may not use that language. We'll say, no, no, it's for your own benefit. Right, like right, we tell the right. baby in the womb, oh, right. no, you wouldn't have liked this place anyway. The world don't is worry. terrible. You don't want to be born Exactly. Yeah. Which is yeah. funny because we're all born and we can say that. Right. But we tell them, don't right. worry. It's it's not me. It's you. It, it's Everything's fine. <laughs> but then we do that with euthanasia. And again, using euphemistic language, not respecting of culture of life, it's, well, you know, you don't want to suffer. As if our suffering doesn't have redemptive qualities. Right. What did we just, you know, celebrate about a month ago? Easter. Yeah. So we tell people then it's in the back of their mind. I'm not contributing. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm suffering. It's, And then again, that leads people down that path. I spoke recently on my show about a piece at The Spectator. And they talked about in Canada, which Canada and some other nations in Europe as well, they're even more down this road than we are in euthanasia. And it's gone to a point in Canada where they're expanding it. In 2015, their Supreme Court said, no, it's silly to talk about a slippery slope here. Right. And again, it, yeah. every time they say, don't worry about yeah. it. Canada's really been running down that slippery slope <laughs> yes, in the last exactly. year or so, yes. Exactly. Now, of course, it, it expands and expands. It, they try to sell it on, oh, it's just terminally ill, which I don't agree with either, but that's what they'll sell it to you. Then it expands to, well, you have a chronic condition, may or may not be term- mm. per- terminal yeah. in the near future. Now it's expanding to, mental health conditions, which who knows what that could mean as we're talking about the abortion debate. And who gets to decide that? Exactly. And then they're talking about not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but there's chatter about mature minors. And we see that with the trans debate here. Oh, a minor, they they Mm. can consent to changing their sex. They can consent to, now it's mature minors, they can consent to euthanasia. And so you see them, as you said, running down the slope, no breaks whatsoever. their Supreme Court, because they have socialized mm-hmm. medical care, so it's harder for people to get the quality care that they need. Uh, you could be diagnosed with a certain cancer in Canada and have actually a much better time of it here in America because we have more MRI machines. We have more technology to track your cancers and to treat your cancer. Um, so they're dealing with that. And so you have people who are stuck. They can't afford their uh, private plans because it's so expensive sure. in Canada. Yep. The socialized right. medicine is the main right. thing. And if you can't get that, you feel like, well, what can I do? And we're starting to see cases that have gone before their governmental bodies of people who will write on their euthanasia think that they're choosing to die because they can't afford to live. And that is very scary. And that is a direct outgrowth of our view of abortion. It's like I said, it's the the other side, the exact same coin that's not respecting life. Right. And it's going to be too much of a burden for me as a mother or as a, you know, as a couple to have this child. I can't mm-hmm. pursue my career. I can't. Yeah. It is. It's the exact same argument. Yeah. It's the exact same argument. Um, th- so this is, this has long been a debate that Christian people, and, and I use Christian very broadly. I know that means a lot of things to different people. Um, Christian people, people who believe in at least the fundamental teaching of the Bible, that God is the creator, that God gives life, and that with that life comes value because it comes from God. This argument, this pro-life argument, we'll say, has long been the domain of Christian people. Mm -hmm. And I believe as a Christian person, and I think you agree with this as well, that as Christian people, we have a responsibility to stand up for life. That is part of what we've been called to do. However, and this is, this is where I have to put a comma and continue on. I am constantly confused, particularly in this day and age with the scientific advancements that we have, that this is a faith argument. That if you are a Christian, 
and and you know, sadly, many Christians even are departing from this or walking away from this position. But if you're a Christian, you believe this because the Bible, mm-hmm. or because God, or because faith, or because you, you know whatever. Um, but that's the reason you believe this. I believe that Christians have been out in front of this for a long time because we just accepted what God said, and now science is catching up with that. Mm-hmm. So that's a long way to ask this question. Why are there two sides to this debate? Why cannot rational people, who I don't agree with politically, understand this is not a political issue, it's not a political argument, and everyone that says they want to believe science on this issue seem to have no interest in science? Why are there two discussions? Why are there two sides? I don't understand it. It's... It's hard to understand if you assume that other people are working with the same framework as you. Mm-hmm. When you realize that, I guess a way to answer that would be to tie in what you were saying earlier with why are Christians usually at the forefront of these right. issues. And it's because we're not afraid to be pilloried. We're not afraid to have the throne or the stones tossed at us. We're not afraid to, uh, to accept martyrdom, whether it be physical or it be reputational, be people who yell and mm-hmm. scream. But also at the same time, so we're very comfortable with saying uncomfortable truths. And if people don't like us for that, well, we say, you know, our God told us that this would be the way things sure, happen. Sure. Uh, the prophets of the past were killed. <clears throat> our own Lord and Savior uh, found himself on a cross as well. Um, and of course, he triumphed over death in the end and resurrected. However, there's also another aspect to Christianity why I think we're at the forefront of this. In the same way, we're at the forefront of ending slavery. Uh, my friend Terry Schilling, he runs the American Principles yeah, Project. Yeah. And he, he tweeted it out the other day and it was uh he was just laughing saying you know just your daily reminder that christians ended slavery wasn't secular (laughs) humanists um uh, and that's the funny thing so obviously slavery has been endemic since the beginning of time pagan societies so we didn't start it but we ended it but somehow we always get the rap right sure um but i think why we're at the front of these issues um is not only that we accept god's truth and we know it and we're not afraid to be pilloried for it at the same time, we're not afraid to live in a sacrificial way, mm-hmm. as I was talking about earlier, with redemptive suffering. Yeah. It's a way of life. And so then tying that back into what you mm-hmm. were saying with the two sides is I've spoken to people on varying sides of abortion. I recently spoke to a woman named Kelly Lester, and she was really amazing. It was really fun to talk to her. She works with Abby Johnson at uh, one of her uh, pro-love, uh, pro-life love yeah, lifeline ministry, right. ministries. They have several. They do a lot of great work helping women who are struggling and need assistance in uh, their pregnancy and afterward. Kelly Lester is a woman who had a very tra- traumatic past, replete with sexual assault and even rape. Uh, through her younger years, even as young as three, I believe, uh, again at 12 or 15. And it grew from there. So in high school, I believe she said she was pregnant and she decided to have an abortion. And her life kind of turned on a dime at that point. I think she was even a a pastor's daughter Mm. and she didn't want her parents to know. But then that leads her down the the Sally, the road of drugs and also finding solace in the wrong kind of man. And so she ended up having, I think it was four abortions total. Wow. She ends up coming back to God. Uh, she has several instances, most of them involving car accidents, actually, which I have similar experiences where she felt God physically saved her, either sent an angel or someone to, to protect her in ways that she should have been dead. And sure. there's no explanation that she's not dead. Um, and that got her thinking. And then I guess the last miracle for her was um, 
she was in a very violent relationship with a man and he had either started to beat her over the head or was threatening to. And it was one of those moments where her life could be over. And the next day, her father calls and, or they talk and he had had a dream that she suffered a fatal head injury and it just scared him this dream. And she's thinking, well, while he's having that dream, she was being threatened in that way mm-hmm. by her. And she just felt that was God saying, like knocking a yeah, million right, times saying, right, hey, I'm still here. Right. And of course, that starts her on this journey. Um, but you encounter women like her who have these traumatic instances. And I think there are so many angles to the abortion, why people support abortion. One are women like her who feel that it's the answer to their problems and they want it to be true. Mm. You might think, how? You they feel want the baby to be true. They want it to be true that you could wave a magic wand uh, and their problem's gone. Right. They don't have to deal with it anymore. Right. A lot of those women then deal with the regret afterward when they realize the consequences yep. and the finality. But in the moment, it's, I want it to be true that whatever I'm dealing with now can just be stopped. They'll be over with. I can put it behind me and move on. So you get those women, you have Planned Parenthood, they prey on those types. But then you, so that's one aspect of the abortion debate. But then there's the other side of the one who know exactly what they're doing. Uh, there are people who will laughingly go on TV and sure. talk about taking the abortion pills. We saw one woman in a local news debate with a pro-life woman and an anchor and she tells them during their debate about the Biden administration loosening restrictions so you can get these abortion pills by mail. And she says, it's fine. It's easy. It's, you know, no harm, no foul. So she takes it live on air. And the anchor's like, wait a sec, you're not pregnant, are you? And she's like, yes, I am. This will be my third termination. So you see women like that. One of my friends, Spencer Lindquist, he's worked with the Federalist and he, uh, I, I, forgot, I think he has a new job elsewhere, but I know he's been with the Federalist. And he would go out to a lot of these pro-abortion rallies, these feminist rallies, and he would speak to them. And many of them at the rallies, the political types, were very, very adamant that some would use language like F them babies. I don't care if it's a person. I don't care if it's alive. Some of them would say, why are we even still talking about viability in life? I don't care. I just... So you get that too. You you get the the demonic element, I guess you can say, where people who know exactly what they're doing and either don't care or take delight in it. Um, So... There are a range and then there's yeah. people in between. But I think that's why it still is an issue because it's expedient. And people, they don't want to say this. If you were to ask this question to a pro-abortion person, they'd spin you a good yarn. I'm helping women. I sure, just want. Right, sure, sure. And at the heart of it, it's the fear of if I get pregnant or someone I love, a sister, a female friend, what have you. I don't want to be stuck for 18 I don't years. want to deal with the consequences of yes. that behavior. I don't want the child. And then you get the uh, the maybe this is too harsh but i think it's apt um you know you see like murders you know murder suicides if i can't have you no one can't mm, you know the sure. crazy spurned ex-lover and they come and shoot yeah. you and it's like just let them go it's fine but th- they can't let it go it's like you if you're not with me you can't be with anyone yeah. i think there's also that element somewhat to a woman who's like well just have the the adoption you know there the baby's fine and you also don't have to take on the financial responsibility you don't have to raise a child for 18 years and i think part of them is like but i don't want that either mm, i just want the baby gone because i don't want to have to live knowing the child's elsewhere to ever acknowledge that something happened exactly yeah. and so there's that whole mix and like i said you can boil down both of those positions to the expediency is i just want this done I don't care what you say. I don't care what the truth is. I don't care if it hurts the baby, whatever. I just want this done. And that's all I'm focused on. I think that's why it will always be 
seen as a political issue. And like I said, people don't want to talk about it in that way because if people talk really about what they mean about being pro-abortion, they would see how selfish yeah. and horrible it sounds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awful. That's why they dress it up under the euphemisms, but that is the dirty heart. It's the expediencies, I don't want to deal with you, go away. Why does that then, and I agree with you, but what I wonder about yeah. <laughs> is why then does it fall typically to left and right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have no delusion that people who are politically conservative, politically on the right, are more righteous than those who aren't. A relationship with God makes us righteous. Short of that, we're not. So your political position, your how you believe the economy should be managed and what you think about you know, wars and those things don't impact whether or not you're righteous. Mm-hmm. So why does typically, and, and let's take the crazy people and set them off to the side. There are people who murder, who love murder. You know, many of them are in prison and some of them are not. But I saw a crazy video the other day. Michael showed me, our producer Michael showed me, of a lady just going nuts out in front of a church and reenacting having mm-hmm. an abortion. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's, it's unbelievable. So those people exist. But I don't believe that's most people. Mm-hmm. I, I think most people are, you know, a little more sane and reasonable than that. But this still tends to fall either to the left or the right. What What is it about politics, right and left politics, that puts people in one of these positions? I think a lot of it goes for the left, going back to the 60s sexual revolution, in the sense that you could have someone like Hugh Hefner, who, mm-hmm. uh, terrible person, I'll just throw that out there with the Playboy magazine. (laughs) But you'll go back and see him in, I think, even the 50s or 60s um, before Roe v. Wade uh, was passed to the Supreme Court, hopefully, fingers crossed, not for long, um, for much longer. But he was saying that he called himself an original feminist. I'm one of the first feminists. And you think, are we talking about the same Hugh Hefner? How is that feminism? His idea of feminism is I want women to be available sexually for me in any way, and I don't want to deal with the child. If she becomes pregnant, well, that's her choice now. She can get rid of the child. Mm. And if she doesn't, well, I've washed my hands of it. She could have washed her hands too. She didn't. Now it all falls on her shoulders. Um, And so you start to see with the 60s sexual revolution, going back to this idea that traditional moral values that we on the right, we conservatives want to conserve, um, they see that on the left, this idea of progressing, but progressing to where and Mm. how. It's just... Being a, in forever a revolutionary state, that's where you see on the trans thing, you see them use the terminology of queer. And by queer, they mean destroying and blurring the lines of what has come before. So you'll see them say, I want to queer my space, my classroom, my house. It doesn't just mean putting pride flags up everywhere. It means blurring the lines between traditional male and female roles, the roles of spouses, of parents to children, of neighbors together and communities and how we all interrelate with each other. It's to blur those lines and to flip them on their heads. Um, We saw that through, like I said, the 60s sexual revolution where feminists were told to be a good woman. You have to be basically a knockoff of a man, but like a lesser version of what you might see as the male archetype. It was get out there in your pantsuits, go work 40 hours a week, um, leave the kids with who knows who. Uh, And that's not how men and women are built, but it was this weird idea that you have to be angry and forceful. And you see feminists, they they act like just lesser angry men. It's it's, Well, well now men can call themselves women. So we fixed the whole problem. So we can do that now. Exactly. 
Uh, but I think that's where it breaks down and why you see it so much on the left, this idea of liberating, that there is no such thing as a person justly having claims over you, um, that your wife having a claim to you, that that's, that's a bond, that's, that's fetters on you. You need to free yourself. You're not right. free. You're, you need to be liberated. Right. Your kids have no claims to you. Right. Who are you, Johnny Joe? I have my own life to live. You know, see you when I see you. Yeah. And your kid goes, no, I need you. I need you to be there for me through all the scraped knees and the boo-boos and yeah, everything that comes with being a child. But again, the left wing and why I think the abortion debate also falls down these partisan lines as the left is you need to be freed even from your own offspring, that your children, if they're in your way, they're in your way type thing. And that you don't bend for them, they need to bend and break for you. And if that destroys them, whether it be the divorces that we see, the lack of marriages, the out of wedlock births, even down to abortion, I think that's why it's breaking down along those lines because we see traditional values and we see love and what love means is sacrificial, that I love you so much that I will sacrifice and give my all to Mm. you and that you do that for me because we love and we have that mutual relationship. The left is more, what can I get out of you now? If I'm married to you and I don't feel the butterflies anymore, I'm out of here. I don't care if I promise before God and man to be here, you know, in sickness and in health, I'm out of here. But if you can break that vow, you swore to God to this other person, if you can break that vow, really what vow can right, is left right. unbroken? Yeah, you put value on nothing at that yes, point. Yes. I think it's interesting too, a true conservative, and, and we've lost so much of this, Republicans are not typically anymore true conservatives, but true conservatives believe in personal responsibility as mm-hmm. well. I think a true conservative believes that we need to be responsible with the economy, responsible, mm-hmm. and our businesses responsible to take care of ourselves and responsible for our actions. And yeah. And that's a, a big departure as well. It just, it's so baffling that someone could understand that at least to some, you know, to 15 weeks or whatever it is, um, that that's a child whose life you're ending and still say, well, I need to be able to live my life. And so I can, I can end theirs. Um, so much more we could talk about there. It will continue though, because <laughs> we've been talking for 40 minutes and I just got to my first question. So I'll move on. Um, the timing of this leak, going back to the, the Supreme Court decision, um, it, this this leak came the day before Pfizer released their findings or whatever on the efficacy of their vaccine, which was not good for them. Um, a lot of other things are happening. We have the midterms coming up. We have a lot of things happening. Um, does the timing of the leak concern you at all, or is it just one of those, it could have been at any time, it doesn't matter? I think there was a hope among those on the Democrat side. We see Senator, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer holding a vote on a on codifying sure. Roe v. Wade at yeah. the federal level in the case of it being overturned through the Supreme Courts, because then it would be kicked back to the states. Some states have snapback laws that if Roe were to be overturned, that they have pro-life laws that would immediately go onto the books. Um, so to counteract that, we saw Democrats uh, try to codify Roe v. Wade at the federal level through legislation. Um, part of their rationale, because, well, at first it was the idea of, well, let's just burn the Supreme Court to the ground. Let's pack the court. It's (laughs) illegitimate because we didn't get what we want. Um, And then going on that idea of breaking constitutional norms, uh, they thought with the the codifying of Roe v. Wade, it's like, well, then let's get rid of the Senate filibuster because we don't have the votes for it. We can't make the 60 threshold. So let's get rid of the filibuster. Thankfully, Senators Manchin and Sinema were like, no. It's unbelievable. They're the most conservative people in the Senate right now, I think. Exactly. And so that didn't happen. So 
Chuck Schumer holding this vote, it wasn't to codify Roe because even though that's the express purpose, yep. they didn't have the votes and they knew that. So the idea was to get it on vote and record. Mm. Where do people fall? Where do your your local, your, your senator yep. for your state or your local congressman, where does he fall or her? There were, they were thinking is for midterms. You're going to get a lot of angry voters. They're going to go show their anger at, yeah. in midterms because Democrats have nothing right now. Yeah. Not that they just don't have nothing. They they are like in a dumpster fire. Everything's on fire. <laughs> right. Nothing's going well right. for them. They're not at zero. They're well below zero. Exactly. Yes. So I think they're hoping that maybe to counteract some of the, that this could be their October surprise. Mm. But came kind of early for yeah. that. Um, but I think that was the hope for them is that it's going to get uh, women mostly, but also some men to get out there to be angry, to vote, to vote Democrats. Like I said, that's like yeah. their last card to play. I don't think that'll work. We are having a baby formula shortage now. Well, just long, long list of right. shortages right. under the Biden regime. Yeah. Decades of Democrats selling us out, offshoring our jobs and manufacturing, those supply chains going abroad and overseas. So it's more of the chickens are coming home to roost on them selling out future generations. And now, hey, we're the future generations yeah, right. dealing with now that burden. With yeah. Exactly. But so if you're a mother, and I talked to some on my show, Bethany Mandel, she is five, she's nursing, and she wrote about this scathing. Um, part of the shortage is because of one of the main baby formula manufacturers, their, uh, one of their factories got shut down by the FDA because children had started to die. There was issues. But again, that happened months ago, not a lot of transparency, also a lot of the formulas coming from China. So yeah. you can see why yeah. there's a bottleneck now. Right. So you have that, you have the high gas prices, you have uh, a lot of our cities are still not fully recovered sure. from the riots. Sure. Well, look at what happened to Detroit. Yeah. One, of the, one of the many reasons why Detroit went from what it was to what it is now, massive riots through the 60s. It chases out business. It chases everything out. It leaves behind a lack of social trust. And that is a very scary thing that we are spending. It's almost like we're printing, you know, how we're printing money in a, you know, with the inflation, with the trillions here, trillions there. We're also acting like social trust is something you can just use up. But a lot of third world nations, they don't have social trust. You know, they don't have the trust that they go down the street, that A, that guy's not going to knife them in the back, and that B, they can do business and get <laughs> right. and not get gypped in the right. end. Uh, so we've played with that. We're seeing, you know, the wall, even Walgreens, CVS is closing all through the East Coast um, because they're being robbed so often. So there's a lot of issues affecting parents right now. Their kids with, with the CRT and gender queer ideology in their schools, the COVID closures. Uh, like I said, you can't even go to CVS without being afraid that some crazy guy might bonk you on the head yeah. and kill you. And yeah. who knows if police will even be able to right. respond. And like I said, you can't find the baby formula. And if you do, it might be so expensive you can't afford it. Maybe you couldn't afford the gas to get there. Yeah. That, I think, is actually going to drive voters more in midterms than the Democrats thinking of dangling Roe. Yeah, it, it is Fascinating to me, the response from people on the left to, again, a leaked opinion, because if the opinion is simply or the decision is simply to kick this to the states, I don't think this changes one thing. I don't think this prevents one abortion. And so it has to be something other than just what the Supreme Court is doing, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. I do know there are a lot of uh, mid, uh, a lot of um, runoff runoffs happening right now mm -hmm. so you know maybe the october surprise is the what is it may right now yeah it, to try to prevent some of that but um unbelievable why have we not seen more conservatives there have been some but why have we not seen more conservatives jump up and down about about this they're being very very quiet 
They are. I think on the one front, what you were saying earlier, I think why the left, even though it doesn't change much now, even if, Roe, you can snap your fingers and it's gone and it goes back to the states. Well, if you're in California, New York, where you're most likely to have the abortion anyways, you're still in a state that's going to allow it. Hopefully, again, not for long. You know, hopefully our pro-life march can continue. Um, Doesn't change much, but what it does change, what it does shake their confidence in is they're used to winning. They're used to Mm -hmm. the status quo favoring them, especially the courts. Roe is a symbol to them. It's not just abortion. It's a symbol of everything, of their feminist ideology, their genderqueer ideology, um, everything on what the kind of the founding cornerstone of what they based their left-wing ideology on it rests on what the symbol of Roe is. It's in the same way as President Trump was a symbol of everything they hated. Yeah, you right. know, it didn't matter. You right. could talk to your blue in the face right. saying he never said this or here's the context you're missing for that. They don't care. It, yeah. The real Donald Trump, the real man, they don't care. It's the symbol of what he, like I said, what he symbolizes is the idea. Exactly. Yeah. The Christian, straight male, right. you know, patriotic right. conservative who right. doesn't hate his country. Yeah. That's what they don't <laughs> like. So they are right. happy to caricature because they actually don't care who the man is. It's the symbol. I think in a similar way, that's what Roe is to them, especially in the 60s and 70s. They got very, very used to being able to use the court's to rule by judicial fiat, to circumvent even legislation, mm-hmm. because sometimes it's too hard to tell people, yeah, we should have, you know, like that book, Gender Queer, that talks about stuff, I guess I won't say, it's way too explicit, but having that in your kid's classroom. Yeah. It's a lot harder to get laws passed, or to at least get people on your side about that, than it is to say, just go to the courts and get right. a, a ruling right. on this. And right. then you can, it, sometimes it can have the same effect. So I think that's the issue with Roe, and why they're so angry. It shows that they don't have the same hold that they thought they did. It, it's been like a firewall for all these other issues. Yes. The yes. Second Amendment. Yes. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk about how the next thing, the next uh, thing to fall will be gay marriage mm-hmm. and some of these other things. They've always felt like that's the firewall that keeps mm-hmm. us safe. Yep. And now it's yes. being taken away. Yes. And that's why you see the clause come out. Yeah. Interesting. And to your other question about Republicans and why hit or miss my circles. Lots of joy, a lot of celebration. Sure, of but you're right. Some of the the crusty establishment rhino types, not always. Maybe they might put out a little bland statement, yeah. but not a lot of whoops for joy. I fear that at least some on the right, and again, this might be a conversation that goes way too long. So I'll try and keep... I'm not that's very good right. at brevity. No, that's okay. Keep I don't going. Think, okay. Because <laughs> I'm not the best at brevity, but... There's a growing issue that I've noticed on the right, and many others have, so I'm not saying I'm some special person with great insight, that, here, where do I want to start this? For so long, we have been ostracized on the right. Mm. And I know it's become kind of part of our, our you know, our our visit, what we show to the to the people that doesn't bother us calling racist all day long. I know I'm not racist. God knows I'm not. So who cares? Yeah, yeah. But it still hurts. We're, we're social creatures. That's sure. how God made us. So even when you know it's not true, when you read that, it still hurts and it still pulls something at you. And so I think for decades of that, and now the left that their rhetoric has ramped up so extreme, not just that we are kooky bigots, like the, yeah, that used to be, bl- that's blasé now. Right. Now it's moved on to we are as we saw after January 6th, they used terminology like domestic terrorists, mm-hmm. that we are the American Christian Taliban. Yeah. And they're starting yeah. to use very, very yeah. dangerous language. At the same time, they're taking control of, as they have, the intel communities and the, the, the military. So scary there. So you have that, what Republicans are up against. 
I've seen some on the right. They want to make overture to those on the left who we can find common ground in that we don't like the the woke left. Sure. And that's yep. again, that's great. I understand you need a certain amount of fusionism. Sometimes you need a certain amount of compromise to get by. I get that. But there's a difference between working with someone in your common goals, and there's a difference between that and getting in bed with them. And that's what I'm starting to see someone on the right. Is if only we can lose the baggage, the、mm. social aspects,、mm. then maybe we can get the left to like us a little bit.、Yeah. It's only Republican politicians that brag, "I'm friends with AOC. I'm friends with this person. <laughs>、right. I can make a deal." You never see AOC bragging, "Oh, I'm friends with a Republican." No,、yeah. right. they'd rather、right. die than、right. say something like、right. that. It's only us. So why do we seem so? We almost seem like the Biden administration making all these concessions to Iran, and Iran's just sitting back, going, "You know, keep giving me all this <laughs> right, stuff." And、right. we're like, "Please take the pals of cash." It's all one way. It's all one way. Exactly,、yeah. and it's kind of similar to Republicans that we're giving all this concessions and all this. You know, we can work with you. We'll do this, and they're not budging. And I think sometimes you see the right; they start to say, "Okay, well, we're not going to talk about this. We're not、yeah. going to talk about that. It's not politically expedient、yeah. for us." And I fear that they're trying to create that new fusionism by getting rid of what makes us conservative. You even saw, and again, maybe this might be waters. I don't know if you want to tread, but with CPAC, I love CPAC. I've been multiple times. I know the people who run CPAC.、Yeah. They've always been so kind to me, and so it's not that. But you see some of the heads of CPAC, and they made a conscious decision this year to not have abortion on the main stage.、Right. And I've talked to friends of mine who usually of mine who usually speak on the main stage about abortion. It was a very conscious effort to say we're not doing that this year. And the express reason they were told is because we have a lot more lefties who are not woke lefties,、right. but they're lefties all the same,、right. and they don't like your message.、Right. So I'm going to get rid of you, yeah, you, my friend, for fifty、yeah, six、right. years, and go with the lefty who, the second where our interests don't align, they're happy to th- throw me to the wolves again. That's not compromising. That's giving up ground. You see, the left, I mean, the right. We're just. It used to be we're years behind Democrats. We're kind of just months behind them. Whatever Democrats were saying a few months ago, we repurpose. We use identity politics all the time. I'm a woman, and I don't want every politician to be. First female Republican, yeah, like right, no, right, that's not.、Right. That's how the left speaks. But、right. when we use that because we know it works, we see the left use it. We try and tap into that, but we're giving up ground. That when we talk about identity politics, we're back ten feet now. Yeah, how yeah, we're、right. now trying to, to debate on the left's their playing ground, their battlefield. We're using they chose the time and date of the battle, and we're the ones. And、yeah. how yeah, we're going to win that? We we can't win that. And I think they're making a very dreadful mistake. In sacrificing a social conservative as the baggage, I think that may be why we're seeing some of their reactions. I, I was thinking about this today as it relates to this issue. I wonder how many politicians don't want to see Roe overturned because they can no longer run in their states、yeah. and say, "Well, I have no control over that. You can elect me. It doesn't matter. The abortion issue is not a state issue; it's a federal issue." But now a lot of people are going to have to really show their cards and and reveal as conservatives what they really believe about this issue. That's been my biggest problem with Republicans. You'll see all these tweets. I'm just on Twitter. I don't have much other social media just because it's easier to interact and get guests and see what's happening. But it is accessible. Yeah. People say that for a reason. It is accessible. <laughs> yes, it is. But what you do see is a lot of Republican lawmakers, and again, I don't want to throw shade because I know many of them, and they. Do have their hearts in the right place for the most part, but when you just get on and on these tweets about, can you believe Democrats are doing X? Can you believe this?、Right. And when that's all you're doing is just, can you believe?、Yeah. Can、yeah. you believe? It's like,、yeah. well, 
you're in a position of power. We put you there as the, well, whoever your electorate was, they put you there for a reason. Do something about it. Right. By and large, they don't. A, Roe staying in place, Republicans can feign, oh, no, oh, no. But guess what? It's a fundraising tool yeah. now. Then every couple of years, we election. can do something about it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So no one, right. they, there's no accountability for nothing being done. And also, fundraising tools. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So I, I interviewed uh, Ryan Gerdusky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't oh, know yeah. Ryan, yeah, but interviewed friend. him last week or the week before. And I said, well, what, do, what should people ask? What questions should they be asking to figure out if a person is really conservative mm-hmm. or not? And he went down a whole list yeah. of things. It was a great conversation. But they, they kind of the summary was they need to ask specific questions. Yeah. What do you believe about this issue? What do you believe about that? How much? How many? How often? You know, these regarding whatever question it is, whether it's immigration or whatever, abortion. And I wonder how many conservatives are afraid that they're going to start getting asked this question mm-hmm. and not be able to brush it aside yeah. as well. Roe, I, I yeah. would, but Roe. Yeah. And now they're going to have to do something. Um, what's the future of this? Let's assume that this leaked opinion is what will become the opinion uh, that will be released. What will happen after that, both as it relates to the Supreme Court, but, but more so nationally and, you know, to this issue? I think it relates to also what you're saying with Gerdeski and asking questions um, for a lot of conservatives, because that's also the issue is I, a lot of friends that I know will say, I just all Republicans are all great. They're yeah, all just great. Right, and it's right. like, well, because you're only hearing the same talking yeah, points. Yeah, right. And they're all talking points. Exactly. Yeah. Dig deeper. And so what I focus on my show is I make a conscious effort to not necessarily just say, here's the top news. Let's just respond to the top news because then it gets to be the same pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. I think another question that perhaps FP didn't already add to his list is a lot of whys and really pressing into the why. What is your philosophical understanding of the world and your mm. place in it what and what is your end goal because yeah. there is a teleology yeah. where we have an end goal there are things that we are here to do that's why god gave us this life and when you start to ask that politicians get kind of nervous because <laughs> sure they do exactly so then they're thinking oh no what voters are gonna be turned off yeah. if i start talking right. about god or this right. or that but i think that's the real way to determine who's real and who's fake mm. because someone who got their talking points to say, make sure you say A, B, C. Well, they're not really fully going to understand. They might try and imitate what they think you want to hear, but they're not going to really know. And you can parse those people out. So that's a great tool. Um, As for where we go from here, and I think this kind of segues into that, is the pro-lifers, we're going to keep doing what we've always been doing, which is helping women and to, to bridge this festering wound that's been growing that has led to so much rot. You see a lot of nihilism in our age, and that's scary because not to be, you know, uh, not fear-mongering or whatever, but what happened before, and Dennis Prager made this point on my show, what happened, what preceded the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia and the Nazis uh, taking power in the 30s in Germany? And of course, there's so many others that we could point to. Right, it's sure. fine. Those are always the two, like, go-to, but we could go <laughs> the to... the ones people understand. Yes. We could go to Cambodia, yeah, Cuba, sure, the list sure. goes on. But for those two, what really preceded both of them? They both had huge spasms of a loss of Christianity, like receding back from the public life, and a huge spasm of what filled the space, nihilism. Mm. And it's weird with nihilism Mm, because you would think, well, if you don't care, why are you talking to me? Like, oh be somewhere else because right. you if life is meaningless if we're all just meat puppets with rasm with random like spasms in our brain of you know sodium potassium moving across the our membranes cre- creating these uh these potentials for energy to just go like that's if that's all we are and that one day our strings will be cut we'll be six feet under yeah. 
And eventually, you know, whatever good we do on this earth will be washed away with, you know, stones erode and, you know, our work gets lost. Um, then why do you care? So there's this weird thing with nihilism and atheists. They tend to be the greatest moralizers. They claim not to believe in our God of the Bible, but yet they will use God's values and judgment and <laughs> right. say, he's terrible, he's yeah. evil, you're yeah. evil for believing yeah. this stuff. And then, of course, you have to explain what they're not yeah. understanding to say that's not true. At the same time, the bigger question is, but why? Why? Why are? Why do you care? By why what do you standard care? are you exactly. making these decisions? Yes. So you see this, and and Nietzsche would write about that there is no God. We killed him, and that's not necessarily a good thing for humanity. But something good can come out of it in that we don't have to let ourselves fall into this morass of nihilism. We can create our own value system. Yeah. But again, what did yeah. the Nazis and the Bolsheviks do? We can recreate man. We don't need God. Yeah. We don't need reality. Yeah. We can remake man in our image, not in God's image, imago Dei, but in our image. And that's where you start to see the very, very scariness of mm-hmm. those totalitarian um, regimes. So it, it does go back to that greater topic of, God receipt, not God receiving, us receiving from God, nihilism and what happens in that spasm. You get a lot of nihilistic moralizers who make their own value system and they become, you know, the little finger waggers in your face. And that leads to very scary places. Um, so I feel, I fear that that's where we're heading now. What we on the right can start to do is hopefully with Roe being in the headlines, it opens up those difficult conversations that people don't usually just Sure. How's your day? Well, yeah. Did you hear about sure. Roe? It's kind of, things can get awkward. <laughs> it's hard to work into every conversation. Exactly. Yeah. But maybe this can give us that opportunity to do so where we can talk about where it's not just Roe and it's not just abortion. It, it goes into the nihilistic culture we have. People are sad. Everyone seems to be depressed these days on SSRIs, divorce. You name, marriage is not even happening. People can't afford homes. Right. You know, a single income earner can't afford his wife and kids anymore in a home. People feel like they're forever renters now. They don't have that wealth accumulated to give down to their kids. These are all conversations that stem directly from Roe. The, you know, we see what's going on in our culture. You can't even take a kid down the street at the mall because some of these advertisements are, are terrible. They're very, very graphic and very explicit and very bad. Uh, you see that pornography, very accessible for young children, yeah. 8 and 12 yeah. years old being exposed. Yeah. All of this is wrapped up into Roe. So us as pro-lifers, we keep that conversation going yeah. and we can say, hey, if you feel like your life sucks, if you can't yeah. find a good person to settle down with, if you feel like the world's crumbling around you, well, here's our answer. Here is our message to you of hope and redemption to pull you out of this suffering. You know, the missionaries had to go through the pagan woodlands yeah. before, and I guess we're in the going through the, the pagan urban woodlands. If this is ruins. as bad as it gets, it's probably not that bad. Exactly. And yeah. so we can, we can rebuild from here. Yeah. We will continue to do what we've always done is to, you know, be, be charitable as we always do. It's funny. We're the charitable ones on the right, not right. the left. Sure. Never have been. Yes. When they march in the streets, they're marching for themselves. We march for others. But so we will continue to help people physically, monetarily, financially, and of course, spiritually, because that's what people really need. And hopefully with that growing awareness, we can overturn Roe either at the court level or in people's hearts by making it an unthinkable thing to do society-wise. That's awesome. Um, man, that's a great place to end. Kara, where can people uh, watch your show and follow you? It's got a little more complicated. Yes. So yes, where, it has. where can people find you and follow you and watch your show? So as for me personally, I'm on Twitter, which again, says pool. Um, <laughs> so don't go there, <laughs> except to uh, Kara's account. Yeah. Hopefully it's a, it's a little shining beacon in the darkness. Um, there's quite a few others who, who hold that candle. 
Um, True Social, Tipping Point OAN, we have uh, a page there. We have a page on Facebook. Um, we also, for those who want to know where to watch OAN in yeah, the first place right. now, we're still on TV. Don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> uh, you can go online to OAN, where to watch, and we have a whole drop bar of for your own local area, what channels carry us still, and also streaming services. Uh, we have all those options available for people at home to find OAN. We also have, we upload to Rumble. It's a free alternative to YouTube without the demonetization. You can find us there, That's too. That's great. Karen, I really appreciate it. Thank you Always enjoy talking to you and uh, appreciate your friendship and um, really your positions because they, they're so consistent and so thought out, so thoughtful, and you're so articulate. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you that are watching, thank you for watching. If you're listening and not yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you subscribe. You're listening from somewhere. From that place, make sure you're subscribed, and uh, that would be fantastic. You'll get every episode three times a week when it comes out directly to you. And if you'd like to watch these episodes, our entire archive, you can watch either on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search for The Situation Report. You'll find every episode there. Or you can go to uh, SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com, and you can watch there as well. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.